The Damn Podcast is brought to you by the Influential Grooming Lounge. It's more than just a barbershop. It's where influencers elevate each other and the community meets. Welcome everybody into another episode of The Damn Podcast with your hosts Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. Angie, I do not have to say anything. We know what week this is. Civil War. Yeah. One of my favorite weeks of the year. Yes, I am so ready because I am just, let me tell you, I don't know, actually... Before we even get into this, let me tell you something real quick, Angie. So, when was it? Yesterday, actually. So, Sunday, I was in a really good mood. I ate a good dinner. I don't even remember what I had. I talked to my mom on the phone. I was super excited. And then Monday morning, I don't know what it was. I don't know what came over me. I woke up, and I was just pissed off. And I was like, <laughs> And you're, that's not you. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm a, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty jolly guy. And so, I was confused. I was like, why am I so mad? And like... I was like, oh, well. And so I always do like the whole, like, I go through my routine, drink my coffee, sit in my robe, have my sandals on, all that jazz. And then all of a sudden I was thinking, I was like, damn, I'm really mad today. Like, I'm actually pissed off. And I looked and I was like, yeah. And I was just like, oh, I know why. And it all clicked all at once. I was like, it's Civil War week. (laughs) I don't know what it was. I don't know what came over me. That's, I feel like that's when you know that this means a little more. Than it than it should because it shouldn't affect the way I wake up on Monday and I didn't even think about that the that the game was on Friday and I was just like I'm so mad like what is wrong with me but it's Civil War week Angie and let me tell you if there's not a better time to wake up pissed off than this week I'm telling I mean, you so so Marcus talk to me a little bit about this so as a player you know I know fans are you know diehard right I mean this is like they, you know, houses are split in this state, you know, with ducks and beavers. And, um, and, and I've heard stories that sometimes the players, you know, they're friends with a lot of the ducks and they're, but tell me, walk me through as a player, does, does Civil War actually mean something more to you guys? Yeah. So it's funny too, because I knew a lot of guys on, on U of O's team when I played and I was actually pretty cool with them, but I don't know what it was that week. I remember because they would always, you know, they were just talking smack, like joking around, and they would text me, be like, what's up, man? Like, how are you guys feeling about this game? And I would just text them back, and I would say, don't talk to me. That's all I would say. I was like, don't talk to me. Like, I'm about to, we're about to trash you guys, like the whole time. And it was just funny because I don't know what it was. And like, you know, our whole team, I would say we're not a bunch of nice guys at the time, but, you know, we were, you know, we were respectful. We always respect our opponents and everything like that, but it was just a whole different feeling and when you know that it means it's just the whole environment of the civil war. Like, you know, that the fans are taking it serious. Me, myself, I was taking it serious. I know the coaching staff, all the players were like, listen, we smelled blood in the water too, because that's when Oregon was, you know, that was a a down year for them. And even then they were talking smack. I'll never forget. They had a a couple players that were, I think they had like an interview or something like, oh, you know, yeah, it's a it's a pretty big game. But, you know, it's just like it is every other week. And I was like, hell no, it's not. And I was like, that uh, that attitude right there, I was like, we are about to trash these guys. Because they were overlooking us. And they were like, yeah, you know, Oregon State, we've been beating it for so long that it's like a second nature. And I remember Ryan Nall, you know, I remember Marcus McMarion. I remember Devin Chappelle, Treston DeCoud, you know, myself. We all kind of had like, you know, Oregon was – it, it sounds bad, but Oregon was kind of not our first choice, but, you know, every young kid at the time wanted to go play for Oregon. You know, when Oregon was winning, you know, 12 games, 11 games all the time, and they were always, you know, they were always just on top of the on top of the college football world, Angie, and 
now I just re- I just remembered it. It was so perfect. I'm like foaming from the mouth talking about it right now because it just hypes me up right now. But the Civil War just for a player, and when you smell blood in the water like we did, I was so ready to just hit somebody or run a touchdown or block somebody or really anything I could do to hurt an Oregon player, I was doing it. <laughs> that was that was the year. Was that Ryan Nall and going over to the sideline with his little duck hunting? Yeah, him and that, Jay, him and yeah. Jalen Bailey. They had that uh, that handshake, and it was just so funny because I remember before the game, I was warming up, and uh, Mark Helfrich was actually, you know, the the coaches always talk in the middle of the field, and they go stand on the sideline, and we're all warming up, and Mark Helfrich was looking at our side, and I caught a ball like it was a nice one handed grab in pregame, and I start jogging back, and he smiled at me and excuse my language, but I was like, "Don't look at me, bitch." That's all I said to him. I was like, don't look at me. And I was just like, I remember he like kind of looked at me sideways like, wait, is he talking to me? And I just smiled at him and I just shook my head. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I remember, I think I want to know, I can't remember which player it was, but I remember, I think it was Charles Nelson or something, like looked at us and like he was like clapping at us. And I was I was talking way too much smack. And we were just saying, Angie, I'm telling you, I came up with insults that I never even thought I would say. And... <laughs> The best, I would say the all-time best part about it was I remember right before kickoff, my mom, you know, my mom was in the stands, obviously my family was, and my mom, I looked, and I was like, look at her, we always kind of did like a pregame, like air, it wasn't an air high-five, but like a pregame handshake, and I was looking, I was like, why isn't my mom looking over here? Like, this is the time we usually do this, and I was like, oh, no way, and she was sitting there just talking smack just yelling at this Ducks fan. She was like, my son's about to kill you, God, blah, 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 like just going at it. And I was like, damn. Then I looked over and I saw Devin Chappelle's family, and they were doing the same thing. And Marcus McMarion's family was doing the same thing. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a good game. And so it's just, I mean, the fact that the fans get into it, the players get into it, it's it's just something that I'll always remember. That game I'll never forget. That was probably, out of all the years I've ever played football, that was my all-time favorite game. Angie, I just want to know, uh, what was your favorite Civil War moment? This is, a, this is a podcast where we can talk about these kind of moments and, and the Civil War because, I mean, it's a big deal. It is. It, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And, you know, I mean, God, I've had, I haven't had a lot of Civil Wars, Marcus, because I'm, I'm a little older than you are. But, I, <laughs> you know, my – well, I have a couple favorite moments. My, my favorite Civil War, and I, this might surprise some people, but 98 Civil War – the double overtime win um, over um, with Ken Simonton taking the, the ball in. Seriously, that was the first ticket that I bought. So, um, you, know, I, you know, you had student ID and you just used that to get into games. That's what I'd use for – that was the year after I graduated. But um, that was the first ticket I bought. And that game really kind of solidified that, wow, you know, we are turning the corner here. You know, Oregon State is turning the corner um, and – there was that excitement. And I, I remember that game because I was about to leave for Hawaii. Um, I was going to go over to the North shore for a little bit and, and watch some surfing and uh, meet up with some girlfriends. And I remember getting on the plane and hearing that Mike Riley was leaving for the chargers. And so mm. that was, and you're like, Whoa, okay. This, you know, but it all worked out in the end. Um, 2000 civil war was crazy. Awesome. Just because there was so much on the line. Um, that was, it was sunny. It was beautiful. It was one of these clear, cold days, kind of like today was, um, and you know, that was kind of, for, that was for the Pac-12 championship. If Oregon won that game, they were the Pac-12 champion and would go to the Rose bowl. Um, 
And so there was this huge bouquet of roses. And this is I, I had just started with Oregon State is when I was um, working as the Portland Area Development Officer. And so um, we had to be up in the third floor of the Valley Center for the post game with the boosters and Coach Erickson would come and speak. But that was Keith Jackson, and that was huge game. And I remember they had this huge thing of flowers, this huge bouquet of red roses. And even though Oregon State didn't qualify for the Rose Bowl, they were still there. And somebody handed them to me and said, present these to Coach Erickson. And so, yeah, he comes in, and I presented him with these this giant thing of flowers. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. There's been a few um, fun fun moments, Civil War. Um, I, okay, another one, my only trip to Autzen. I've only made one trip to Autzen, and it would have been 2001. And I was right on the wall. So our seat, we went with some booster friends of ours that had extra tickets, and it was actually super fun because they had family that were ducks, so there was a big tailgate, and, and you know we, we hung out with them. And then Eric and I sat right on the wall, and the beavers ran out of the tunnel at Autzen right below us. And so that was like the and that was the year Ken Simon didn't need it. I, he didn't hit the thousand yards for senior year. It was kind of, it was sad. It was really sad because he was it was so close to, to hitting it. I think he needed like seven yards or something or ten yards or. I'm probably way off right now, but I remember it was, wasn't much. But I just remember, I I love good defenses. And Marcus, I know you and I have talked about it. You know, I love the swagger, the yeah. hard hits. And so one of my favorite Beaver, well, a couple of my favorite Beavers of all time played on that team. It was Nick Barnett and Richard Ziegler. And so they come out after half. I'm right on the wall with my husband, mind you. I mean, it's not like creepy, creepiness, but... I'm sitting there, and Richard Ziegler comes out, and he is pumped up, and he turns around to the fans, and he's, he's like, you know, pointing at us, and I'm, like, yelling, and I'm like, Richard Ziegler, I love you! (laughs) (laughs) And he starts pointing at me, and I'm, like, jumping up and down, like, you know. Yeah, so that was, um, (laughs) the Beavers lost the game, and some Duck fans came and talked smack, and I don't like to back down, and they were just drunk and obnoxious and being jackasses. So um, I, I basically have never been back to Austin. I thought it was like this off. I thought it was almost as bad as going to a game at Fresno State that same year. Um, it was that bad going to Austin. So yeah. um, just drunk, ignorant fans. That's and, what I heard. But and you know yeah. what's funny about that is, as much as nobody likes to admit it, right? That's just that's just. I wouldn't say all fan bases, but it happens, right? There's always a couple it fans happens, that, right. you know, there's, I know there's, a, for a fact, there's a couple fans that, you know, at Reacher Stadium, you see, you're like, okay, like, man, like, why are you doing this? But, you know, here's, here's the thing too, right? So when you see like, and I know a video came out on like social media or something of like, there's like the ducks after they lost to Stanford, they're like Throw throwing the stuff. Yeah. And yeah. stuff like that. And everyone's like, man, like, come on, like, why are they doing that? It's disrespectful. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. That's extremely disrespectful. But I remember when the Ducks were running out of the tunnel, there were people throwing stuff at them like that two years ago, and I could not get enough of that. I loved every moment of it. Oh, you like it? it. Oh, oh, yeah, no, I, that's and, cringy. And I, and I get it. I get it. Don't get me wrong, but that's just – it was the fact that – that's passion. Yeah, it was the fact that it was just so built up, and I just remember. Gosh, it gets me mad thinking about it. There was just so many times where – that I remember seeing duck fan. I mean, the duck players tweeting. They were like, "Yeah, you know, we're not too worried about this game," or blah 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 blah. Or they were like, you know, like indirect shots taken at us and stuff like that. And I was like, "Man, I can't wait because I'm gonna I'm gonna beat their ass." Like, that's a- okay, so this, this is a good point because so this this week, the Civil War week, 
you know, typically the media puts in on Monday what players they want to talk to during the week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, today was, was offensive. Tomorrow will be defensive players. But Oregon State limited, like, you know, we wanted to a Beaver Blitz. Amy wanted to talk to Trevon Bradford or David Morris, some of the local Oregon guys, just to kind of get their kind of growing up about Civil War. And, and all players except seniors were put off limits really? this week. So at first, you know, you know, you're kind of like, but I will say this, because I understand why Oregon State does it, because even talking to someone, and, and they could make a total benign comment, but it could be taken the wrong way. So um, on our 24-7 sister site with Oregon, Duck Territory, they ran a story today about motivating factors for Civil War. And they, and they spoke to offensive lineman Shane Lemieux, and he has a couple, I would consider them a little bit bulletin board worthy. Maybe they're not, but... Just, just slightly. He talks about feeling disappointment from the alumni um, and the fans. We broke the streak, but more than that, we lost a game that we should never lose. That's been implied that we should never lose to Oregon State. Bigger than the rivalry versus UW, when we lost to UW, we were just like, okay, we'll get them next year. But against Oregon State, that was just a really low blow. I don't want to disrespect Oregon State that year because they played a good game. But it was just the fact that we set a standard of beating Oregon State, and we didn't continue that standard. Damn right he didn't. I remember that game. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're damn right he's not going to do that. And we made sure of it. That's why That's why when – okay, gosh, I sound like I sound like a really bad player, and I, sw- and I put it on everything – I'm not like that. Angie, you know me pretty well. I, I would I say do. I'm a really respectful young man when it comes to this. And, you know, I, I'll always take everything with class, but I don't know what got into me that game. It was the fact that they were talking so much smack. And I remember seeing stuff like that that, you know, they would say, we should never lose to these guys, or it should never be like this, or it should never be like but that. that's their and, mentality. Right. right? And, and that's, you know, and it sounds bad, but they had, they have the right to have that mentality because it was really a beatdown every year, right, for – yeah. You know, they were beating us, beating us, beating us. That's why when we won, it was like, I, I'm telling you, Angie, <laughs> I found, <laughs> they were, too hot just talking about I it. know they were walking off the field and I was like, I, I didn't, <laughs> sounds terrible. But I remember going up to one player and I didn't say a word to him and I just looked at him and I just walked with him. Didn't say a word. I was just smiling. I was walking right beside him. He like pushed me away and I was just smiling at him and he was walking off the field and. You know, afterwards, I was like, okay, Matt, that maybe wasn't the right thing to do. But it's the same thing, right? And but damn, it felt good. Oh, it felt, I loved every moment of it. I'll tell my kids that. <laughs> I'll tell my grandkids that. I'll be like, remember, let me tell you something, <laughs> right? But um, I think this game right now, Angie, is, you know, we're, I think we should be done with these kind of stories before I start losing listeners and fans because, like, this dude's trashy. But um, let's talk about this game a little bit, Angie. So, yeah, yeah. You know, Oregon. At the beginning of the season, and I'm going to keep it real, you know, I work for the fan, we're the home of the Ducks, so usually I can't be biased, but this week my boss said I can be biased, so that's okay. So, well, you played. You, you, got some, you got some blood in the game. Right. <laughs> and so the game, the game itself, it's been the closest it's been for a while, and it's not because, you know, maybe talent gap-wise, it's obviously certain that Oregon has the better athletes and when you match up athlete to athlete, but – even talking to Andy Johnson, who's you know a, a Duck alum, he's here at the fan. He's part of Dirt and Sprague. He really feels like this is a close matchup, just because Oregon State's offense has really impressed him. And even when I talked to um, Anthony Johnson, used to play at Oregon State, you know he would just tell—I mean at Oregon, excuse me—he would just tell me he's like, man, you know Oregon State's offense—they look legit. 
and there's times where the Ducks just look inconsistent. We kind of got it's kind of a good matchup. And Angie, you know, I just want to get your thoughts on how you think this matchup is going to go because me, I'm feeling pretty good, Angie. You know, I get that the defense is historically bad for Oregon State, but man, if it's a shootout, I'm taking that. I am 100% okay with the shootout. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not, I know we talked earlier and you, you've been breaking down the film. So I'm really excited. Um, if you want to get a full on breakdown of this game on what Oregon State needs to do offensively and defensively, check back with Beaver Blitz later in the week because Marcus has been doing it. He's been watching a ton of film and he got me kind of excited when I talked to him this morning. Yes. I just, I don't, I, I just haven't seen the defense stop anybody yet. So I cannot, I, and I won't be able to pick the Beavers, but I hope it's a closer game. Then you know it, what's interesting to me is you have a duck team that's what eight and four right now, mm-hmm. or seven and four, seven and four, and you talk to their fans and their fans. I get the idea talking to them that their fans that this is like a three win team the way they're doom and gloom. You know, right. I was like you know I want to shake some of these people. Like, do you understand? You have seven wins, right? And, well, and that's that's just the like the mentality, and that's what I mean. Hats off to Mario Cristobal, right? Because he's this team went from you know they've I mean. Some of these guys have been through a lot of coaching changes too. So yeah, yeah, it's, they have. It's a matter of really, you know, how are they going to respond from everything that they've been through? And you know, I give Mario Cristobal props because you know I've had to talk to him, and you know, he just he just gave them this this confidence that listen, if we're not winning these ten games, winning the Pac-12 championship, then it's kind of a disappointment, right? And that's you know, so hats off to him, but. You're right, Angie. You know they have seven wins. They've knocked off some. They knocked off Washington. They've they've had some really close games that they should have won. They've had some bad performances, but I don't know this matchup. It's just so interesting to me because it really seems like even the Oregon fans are kind of worried. And so when they're kind of worried, yeah. it makes me a little. It, it puts kind of a smile on my face, and I like that. And and what I what I will never discount is I mean this coaching staff has done a pretty especially offensively has done a really good job scheming. And that's one thing I think we knew going into the season that Coach Smith would, you know, has that um, gamer mentality and will come up. And we've seen so many tri- plays this year. And right. I, I just think he understands the importance of Civil War. And I think uh, he'll pull out all the stops. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that we can't take it away that, you know, Mario Criswell might not understand the importance of this because he never got a play in it. And yeah. so, yeah. yeah, he played for Miami and all that. But let's think about it. Coach Smith played in this. Like, he understands, yeah. like, you know, he played in two of my favorite ones. Exactly. So he truly understands it. So that's why I think it's really cool. And um, Angie, this matchup, let's just go, you know, our offense against Oregon's defense is. Yeah, I'd like to hear what, you know, how is how is Oregon State's offense matchup? I just like, you know, I just like this matchup because, you know, at, at first it, I was thinking to myself, okay, it's going to be tough because once you watch the Washington game you're, and the Stanford game, you're like, gosh, like. Oregon is really stopping the run. Like, they're really physical up front. But as of lately, you watch them, you know, watch Oregon play Arizona, Arizona State. Their running backs, they, you know, they went for over 100 yards. And so you yeah. really sit down and break it down like I was doing. And I'm like, man, it's it's kind of simple because Oregon State is doing the things that they need to do to attack this Oregon, I mean, defense. And when you have someone like Jamar Jefferson, AP, and these guys who really, if you give them the ball in open space – they could take it the distance, Trayvon Bradford and these guys like that. And it's just, you see it, you're like, okay, these are some good matchups we can do. And then when you flip it on the other side, I know, and trust me, I get it. Oregon State's defense is, is bad. And this is why I was telling, I hopped on Dirt and Sprague today, and I was like, Oregon State's defense, if they have a bad game, I'm going to be happy with it. 
think about it, if they have a bad game, not a horrible game because lately we've been seeing horrible defense. But if they have a bad game, get a couple stops, right? Just like against Colorado. I always say that Colorado performance, I'll bring that up till the day I die because it was, you know, an awesome game to experience, but Oregon State's defense still gave up what was it over 500 yards total offense. Over 500. Yeah. yeah. And so they still so that's technically a bad performance. They, but they they haven't given up less than 500 to any Power 5 team. Right. And so you just need them to play bad. And when I say play bad, you need a couple stops because what I've realized with this Oregon offense is that they'll come out fast and when they come out fast, that's when they go up big and then it's hard for teams to come back. But Oregon if Oregon State's defense can get a couple stops, the second half Oregon team is on a whole like whole different levels because we saw against Arizona State, they came out fast and they looked really good. And I'm like, damn, here they go. They have the confidence back. But then you watch that second half, you're like, ugh, they only scored three points. Yeah. And it's the same yeah. thing with, you know, when you see when you watch them play Washington State, they come out super slow, but then second half they they come out and play really good. And it's kind of the same thing for Oregon State. Angie, I would say this civil war is both these teams are probably the most inconsistent we've seen in a while. And so mm-hmm. that's what I like to see is both teams are inconsistent, and it's going to come down to the young guys. You know, I think you're going to get from all the old guys, you're going to get the experience and and all the leadership you need. But you have to look at it like Oregon has young running backs. Oregon State, young running backs, right? Defensively, Oregon State has some young guys playing. Defensively for Oregon, they have some young guys okay. playing. And yeah. so it's whatever young guys are truly going to step up. But to break down the X's and O's of how Oregon State can stop Oregon, it's if you go back and watch any Oregon loss, this is what the teams did. You double team Dylan Mitchell, Oregon's by far best playmaker on offense. I mean, the kid's an animal. We can't take that away from him. He's a, he's an absolute freak on the outside. You have a corner pressing him, and then you have somebody over the top. So you take Dylan Mitchell completely out of the equation. If you can do that, then Justin Herbert, you know, it, when you look at it, Justin Herbert doesn't have a lot of people to throw to after that. I think a lot of the guys yeah, have been inconsistent yeah. and can't really make the plays. Oregon has had some troubles with a lot of drops. And so this is exactly what you need to do, Angie. You need a double team Dylan Mitchell. And I would say Will Darkin said it today when I was talking to him. He's like, throw the sink at him. You blitz every time. Bring exotic blitzes. Bring as much pressure as you can because Justin Herbert, as great of a quarterback as he is, when he gets under pressure, he throws the ball away a lot. And – yeah, yeah. Oregon, and you can make this Oregon offense look extremely one-dimensional. And why? when I mean under, one-dimensional is Arizona stopped them from running the ball. And so when they can't run the ball, what do you do? Obviously, you have to throw it. And when you take away Dylan Mitchell, who's Justin Herbert's favorite target, it's kind of like, yeah, maybe every once in a while they'll have a big play. But it's not like we're going to see Oregon come out and drop 50 on you if you take Dylan Mitchell away. And that's yeah. what a lot yeah. of these teams have done, I think, I don't even know what this – I can't even remember the score to the Arizona game. I think it was like, what, 44 to like 15 or 14 or something like that. It was it was a bad game for Oregon. That's just because Arizona did a great job of taking Dylan Mitchell away. And so when you do that and you stop the run, it's just like I was saying, Angie, with Washington, is that they get really one-dimensional. But don't get me wrong, Angie. I know it sound, it's easier said than done. But that's just now we need somebody to step up defensively. And if there's yeah. ever a time for someone to stand step up, it's now. And I mean, and who's just be doing it? You know, and that's why I'm. Is this, I'm a, is this a Kalani Vakamelalo senior kind of thing? You see the line stepping up, a Lamone Williams, or is this a, a young guy? 
Well, and I mean, Key Wetzel, Key Wetzel had his best best statistic performance mm-hmm. last week. You and know, it was Key or Isaiah Dunn. Isaiah Dunn was right there as well. You see a young guy stepping up. Who do you think it's going to be? I don't know. I've actually been really impressed with Isaiah's uh, Isaiah Dunn's play lately. I would say he's probably your most physical corner right now. And so I would say put him on the you know put him to press Dylan Mitchell. Dylan Mitchell has a great release off the line, so that's going to be a tough test. But that's why you have someone over the top. So you're not going to get beat over the top, but you need to make it hard for Justin Herbert to get Dylan Mitchell the ball because if you can really do that, Angie, I'm not just being you know I don't have my orange and black glasses on, but I'm just being realistic. And a lot of Duck fans said the same thing: is that if Dylan Mitchell doesn't get the ball and the run game isn't very good. You, Oregon doesn't really have the athletes that they used to. So you're like, yeah. okay, well, who gets the ball? Who do you throw it to? You know, this and that. But I'm going to say Isaiah Dunn is going to be the one who needs to step up. And then obviously you have Jayla Moore over the top or maybe Jeffrey Manning, somebody like that. But if you can get somebody like that to make – or to have a big performance, Angie, I think I think the defense could maybe – I know it's a stretch – play their best game. Who do you think needs to step up? You know, I, I, I like that. I, I would like to see, um, I think, key, you know, uh, those linebackers. Um, maybe it's a, a Jonathan Willis. This is his last hurrah. See him, um, you know, really kind of to buckle down. Um, but Key Wetzel, like I said, had a, a big game rushing and rushing the passer, and that's going to be huge, like you talked about, putting pressure on Herbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. I mean, if you can get the pressure, it's going to make everything open up that much more. But uh and Jalen Moore. I yes. mean, how can you leave him out of the equation? I mean, he's been such a leader. Um, he's put this team on his back so many times this season. So um, I, I know Jalen, and I have a feeling this game means a lot to him. Yes. Angie, is there a – I guess I couldn't really ask that. I was going to say what – I know it's like the whole rivalry, you know, you, you kind of hate him, but is there do you have like a do you have like a I always have to ask I I'm I'm sorry but do you just have like a deep hatred for Oregon at all? Um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because I just love hearing everyone's experiences because everyone's different. And I mean, you know what my, my this is my takeaway from a long time of being around I mean, I went to Oregon State and then I worked in the athletic department and now I'm doing this. So seriously, 20 years almost, you know, of 25 years if you go back to when I was a student. Um, and actually, you know, when I was a student, it wasn't that bad because Oregon wasn't that good. Yeah. It was kind of Oregon State and Oregon was, they were both kind of bad. And, um, my, my, my thoughts on this whole thing is the, peop, the, fan, the Oregon fans that went to Oregon are usually pretty decent. Like, I don't mind them. I can have conversations with them. Yeah. They're, they remember that Oregon wasn't always good and that they really are lucky because they have a team owner. And that that is the only reason that they are where they are. And, and most of those guys, too, they, they kind of laugh and shrug their shoulders at all the, the costumes and, or uniforms. And, um, you know, a lot of them wish they'd just go back to their normal green and yellow and not trying to add 57 shades of every, you know. <laughs> it, it's the Duck fans that didn't go there that are just the bandwagon fans that are completely and utterly obnoxious yeah. on a lot of occasions. Not always. But they're the ones that will get my blood boiling a little bit sometimes with their just just the attitude, you know, of being superior. Well, yeah, okay. Um, they're yeah, they're, they're it's, not. It's, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just easy when you have right when, and that's what I'm saying. So we we're talking about this. What about you, Marcus? I answered honestly. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. Yesterday, when we were talking about the, uh, uh, I I co-host the Ducks Roundtable show, so. Um, I always have to talk Oregon football, but 
it's just funny because yesterday was like the first time that they were kind of like, all right, Marcus, like, give us your thoughts. And Anthony Newman, it was just funny because he was telling us his story of why he's not a fan of Oregon State. And this, and yeah. this is the kind of stuff that you love. And long story short, he kind of came to a camp when he was younger. And um, I don't know who the, the previous coaches were for Oregon State at the time, but when he came to the camp, he was like, you know, he didn't get in a lot and he was trying to make, obviously impress him and, the coaches just weren't really putting him in or anything like that. And uh, one of the coaches came over and he was like, hey, Newman, come here. And he like ran over there. He's like, yeah, what's up? He's like, uh, you play any other sports? And he was just like, um, you know, not really. Like football's kind of the one I want to play. And he's like, oh, we should probably pick up a new sport. I was like, <laughs> I was like, damn. And so he's like, and after that, I remember, you know, he was like, come senior year, I was killing it. You know, a whole yeah, bunch yeah. of uh, – Offers are starting to pile in, and he said Oregon State called him, and his dad was like, hey, Oregon State's yeah. calling. You want to talk to him? And he was just like, hang up the phone. And his dad yeah, was like, so. yeah, sorry. There's no chance he's going to go there. Don't ever call back again. And then he went to Oregon, and then he was like, I made sure that every single time I played Oregon State that we were going to kill him or I had my best game. And it's just funny because that's kind of how I felt, you know, after that yeah, Chip Kelly story. Yeah. yeah, after that yeah. Chip Kelly story, I was like, man. I hate Oregon. <laughs> and it was just funny because I knew for a fact Oregon was in my mix for sure. But after I experienced that, I was like, <laughs> and I was going in there, you know, to the to my official thinking, you know, if if I get pretty wild that I'm going to commit here and I think I yeah. want to play here and everything like that. And then, you know, I go in. Hey, so and, tell me something, Marcus, because you've been through this recruiting. So yeah. I have heard from too many people who, I mean, but they had offers at Oregon, too, that it was just different. Like they went to Oregon recruiting and it was all about the uniforms. It was all about the flash. Um, they basically put some assistant recruiting person on them. That was basically like a used car salesman. And there's a lot, you know, there was pressure. There was, it was, high, you know, high sales and they went to Oregon state and it was like this totally different family atmosphere. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. And it's, it's a, it's just, you know, it's how Oregon State and Oregon are. Like, when you look at the programs, you look at the players that they have, it's just different. And I different. can say that now because both programs, it's different coaching staff. So, I mean, these are a couple, you know, back. So, yeah, I'm not trying to, like, say anything bad about Oregon's coaching staff now and the way they recruit. But No, and I and I think that's a, and that's what put Oregon over the top is that they, they got the trend quicker than anybody else. They understood what kids were into. And even myself, mm -hmm. I was like, I'm super into the flash and – everything like that. But when I went there, when they had that previous staff, I was like, man, like they kind of look at you like, Hey man, like, yeah, come in here. You'll win a couple rings and then you'll get out. Right. And yeah. that's kind of how yeah. it was. And I was like, man, like I want a coaching staff who thinks of me as a person and not mm -hmm. as like another guy on the roster that's going to score. A and touchdown. like the brotherhood that you're coming right. back then, you know? And yeah. Well, and that's, you know, and that's what Anthony Newman said it is the same thing. He was like, man, like it seemed like, with Chip Kelly, they just didn't want any alum back. They didn't want any of those yeah, guys yeah. back who, you know, who paid their dues in Oregon and everything like that. And so once they – Yeah, they didn't go after the in-state guys. No, it was a – and that was Gary Anderson. Yeah, I and mean, that's that was, the thing. You, know, you talk to former players, and they say that the former players weren't welcome back. And, you know, that's part of what Oregon State's about. Right, and, and so when I went in Oregon to, to yeah, a lot of degree, yeah, and now and now it's like that for for the Ducks, and that's why they're they're starting to move up in recruiting, and that's why you could see Oregon State's recruiting starting to you know improve. You get guys like Jamar Jefferson, Matthew Tago, because some guys are super into the flash, and you know I get it. I used to be, you know I was 18, 17 years old, and the same thing. But then you get some guys who 
when you come to Oregon State, and that's the thing. So when Coach Riley sat down and talked to me, and I got to talk to him, and I was like, this is the guy I want, right? And he yeah. he wasn't like, listen, man, not the whole use, use, you know, car salesman guy. He was, hey, this is how it is. You know, we're not we're not the flashiest, but we're going to make you a damn good football player. You know, if you want to see the results, look at the results. We get good running backs. We turn them into great running backs, right? Yeah. And we'll win these games. We'll win, you know. And he's not saying, yeah, we're going to come in and win the Pac-12 championship every time. He's like, you know, damn well, that's our goal. We're going to find a way to get there. But we care about you as a person first. We want to get you to be a good student second, right? And then from there, that's where football is going to take off when you take care of everything else. And not you show up, you don't have to do, you know, you show up and they're like, okay, hey, press a button. They press a button and, you know, 25 Greaves jerseys come out of a a locker room that looks like a spaceship, (laughs) right? And so it's just a whole... And you have a napping pod to take a nap in. Right. (laughs) It's just a whole different feeling. But, Angie, let's... uh, and I'm not trying to cut this short at all by any means. No, I, just, no. I just want to know your prediction. Like, I really want well, to know what before you... Before we go there, I want to... Because we're not doing any um, questions today. Right. But I want to... This is personal for me just because I, I think it needs... Uh, something. We're, we're going to be doing something tomorrow on, on Beaver Blitz for it. But we'll, we'll make this the Body of, of Health Chiropractic and Wellness Center segment because we're not doing a um, question segment. But I want to take a second. It's also senior week. And... These, this group of 14 seniors that are going to be coming out to research for the last time. And, you know, some of these guys, I guess I, I hold a little closer than others just because they've been through a lot. And I've followed them since they, I've talked to them since they were in high school. Um, just to put it in perspective, the class of 2014, Marcus, had 27 signees. 11 of those guys have stuck with it and will wow. be playing a senior day. So, you know, you, you look at where Oregon State is now, there's been so much turmoil, not only with coaching staff, but, you know, your senior class, when it's that small and you have that many guys leave or retire or transfer, you don't have that good core group of senior leaders to really propel this. So um, to those guys, you know, there's there's a group of them, Kalani, Lamone, Dwayne Williams, um, Sumner, you know, Yanni, Cammie, there's, there's a group of those, that 11. I just I want to tip my hat to them because they have been through a lot and they've stuck stuck with it and uh, I hope fans you know recognize that on on Friday. Right, and they I mean they've been through so much and you know I was fortunate enough to play with those guys and be a part of really the same thing that they were and let me tell you Angie those are some of the best the best people I've ever met not just football players but seriously they're really good people and uh, you know hats off to them Angie because. They've been through so much, right, with all the coaching changes, everything that's and, happened. And you'll be surprised. I, I think Beaver fans will be surprised because we've reached out to these guys um, over the past week just to get us a, a statement to Beaver Nation. Like what – and, you know, it's not – there has not been one that we've received back like, you know, oh, it's been rough or, you know, everything. I mean, Kelani Vakamalalo says, I love you, Beaver Nation. Mm-hmm. You know, just the support that they have felt from you. And, um, like I said, I hope Beaver Nation, you know, it hasn't been – the way they've wanted it to go, obviously. No bowl games, really rough go, but um, this group has stuck with it, and uh, they're beavers through and through. Yeah, and another thing to think about is just those guys that that make it to this point, right, that are playing their last game, and they could have transferred at any time they wanted. Like, let's yeah. p- let's put that in mind. You know, they're, they weren't the guys who were like, man, like, I'm getting screwed over. Granted, there's a couple. There's a couple people. You know, Marcus McMurray and I, I definitely say why you transfer, right, and stuff like that. But 
you know, there's some guys who who stuck stuck it out and you know went through it, and they felt like Oregon State was the best option for them. Like I said, there's people like Marcus McMarion who it's it's best that you don't stay at Oregon State, right? As much as we would like him to be there and all that, uh, you know, he he chooses a different path, and obviously it's worked out extremely well for him. So we're happy for him. But the guys like Cami, the guys like Yanni, uh, Sumner, Dwayne. A lot of guys would would transfer in a situation with all the coaching changes and everything that they that they've been through. But you look at it now, and you're you know you have to give them the utmost respect because they've been through it all and they stuck it through and you know stuck through it all. And man, just got me. I don't even want. I feel like I'm starting to get teary. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I just thought it was important to to recognize that because um, I think it's easy as fans you kind of get down on guys or you're just like, and I just. Like you said, those guys could have left. They could have moved on. They could have just retired, um, but they stuck it out. And this isn't—we're not talking. This is this isn't just like going to a class every day. This is a lot of commitment and time and energy on their wear and tear on bodies. And um, you guys—they're they're true beavers. They they bleed orange and black. And it, it's on the field. It hasn't gone how they wanted it to. And um, but they shouldn't be blamed for that. Right, and they shouldn't. And. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, they stuck through it all because, yeah, we got to realize, and I think a lot of fans do realize, and some don't, but let me tell you, when you got to wake up at, when you hear your alarm go off at 445 in the morning, and I'm like, damn, <laughs> this is rough, right? And you get up, you go to practice, you go to meetings, you go to all this, you go to class, you go to study all, everything till 930, you come home, fall asleep by 10, do it all over again for four years straight. It's rough. And, and, and it, some of these guys didn't maybe see the, even the playing time. You know, I look at a guy like Adam Sosman comes right. in and he, is, he went from uh, safety to linebacker. He's had, you know, countless D coordinators and position coaches. Um, you know, Trent Morris seen success, but um, there, there's some of these guys that maybe haven't played as much as, as, you know, they thought they did coming in. But um, no, I just wanted to, to just make that little, that little, uh, a little shout-out to them? A little shout-out because, um, you know, these, these guys have given it their all, and um, they'll, they'll be some of these guys coming back, you know, and, and uh, talking to the, the players, you know, 10 years, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. Angie, uh, before we do – Okay, pre- so you want my prediction? Yeah, actually, hold on. Before we do predictions, I just want to give people what an experience it is. Real quick, it won't even take that long. Just kind of the stuff that these players experienced in the Civil War because – Obviously, the, the, you know, the fans go at it, and, you know, like I said, my mom got, got super into it. My mom's the nicest girl in the world, and I remember watching my 65-year-old grandma yell at somebody, and I was like, man, this is real. But um, let me tell you guys, when it comes down to it and it comes down to playing, this might be the nastiest game a player can ever play in. A rivalry game, no matter who it is, it is a nasty game. And I remember sitting back a kick return once uh, to block for Vic, and – uh, the ball, I think there was, the ball was like in the middle of a pile or like whatever it was, whatever the case was. And I remember <laughs> it sounds terrible, but there was like some, there was a duck player laying on the ground and I would never do this ever duck player laying on the ground. And actually, let me tell let me say what happened to me first. I remember being at the bottom of a pile and, and a guy was like trying to gouge out my eyes and people are stepping on my hands on purpose and like everything like that. So let me get that out of the way before I go into my story. All right. So you can see why I'm a little upset, Angie. Am I right? People stepping yeah. on my hands, trying to gouge me in the yeah. eyes. Okay, perfect. 
I'm punching you in places that don't need to be punched. Right. And then so there's duck players laying on the ground. And you know what I have to do, Angie? It sounds bad, but <laughs> I don't know if I can say it. <laughs> Actually, I'm just kidding. I could say it for sure because I hate the ducks. You can totally say it because oh. we've, been, yeah, we've been talking now for like an hour. So there might be like one person still listening to us. Oh, perfect. Well, if you guys are still listening, yeah, the guy was on the <laughs> ground. I saw an opportunity. He was the one who stepped on my hand, so I fell on him, but I had my hands wrapped around his neck, and I squeezed as hard as I could. But that was only because I'm doing everything I could to win. And so... Man, and, Marcus, I'm seeing this whole different side of you. Oh, I know. People spit on me. Like, I was headbutting assistant coaches. I did it all. Wow. <laughs> I did it okay, all. Okay, and one thing, too, before we give our... If anyone's still listening, because last week, or last game at home, we had a really fun time. So Marcus, Amy, and I will all be down at Civil War this year. We're getting there a little early. If you have a tailgate nearby, Reeser, I, I, Marcus tells me we're dressing up this week. So, oh, yeah, um, we're, that going, means we're looking good. <laughs> that means I probably will be having shoes that aren't super comfortable. So it has to be kind of in that Reeser Stadium parking lot. But if you have a good tailgate, we would love to stop by and say hi and say thank you for, uh, for listening. Last okay. week we had – or two weeks ago we had got a, got a couple of nice little hot toddies mixed for us. And uh, it, it was fun to say hi to, to some of the fans out there. Yes, and we would love – to stop by, as you said, Angie. But uh, I got some more. I got some more Civil War stories. I oh, I do not. More Civil War stories. I don't want to put it. I do not want to put it on this podcast, though. So if people okay. tell us where to stop by, I will stop by. Direct message us on Twitter. Yes, let us know, or just tweet at us. Let whatever, us whatever works. Or tweet we'll, at us. Yeah, we'll stop by. But uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll tell you guys some more stories if someone invites me. That's maybe me just being desperate, so I don't look lonely. Before the game, and, but, and honestly, it's our last—it's our last togetherness with Amy because she's moving on after the season. So. It is, and I don't want to say I'm moving on because I don't know yet. Yes, we don't know. So we don't know. This might be the last time the big three is together. So we don't know. I'll stay on the damn podcast though for until you know whatever happens happens. I'll stay on. Don't worry. If anyone's still listening, they're probably not. So never mind. Doesn't yeah. really matter. And, and you guys are all just stuck with me because you just are. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Angie, let's get this score prediction. Okay. I am. Go- nobody's going to be happy with this. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I. You know what? I hope I'm wrong. 48-27, Oregon. All right. Well, I have too much of a hatred to ever pick the Ducks. I do. I, there's no chance. I can't. <laughs> Nothing in me can pick them. So, that being said, the score to this Civil War Friday. Angie, are you ready? I'm ready. I have 34-31, the Oregon State University taking the okay. win. Okay. Absolutely. Look at you. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, everybody, the football season has been a good one. Thank you guys so Marcus, much for listening. Marcus, really hasn't. Marcus. Angie, but no, 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 no. Let's think about it like this. The consistency of our listeners, they make me feel oh, real good to, for be, to babble on on this podcast. And I'm losing my voice because I think I was getting a little too excited and I was like kind of out of breath. So if I sound yeah, weird in this podcast, I'm sorry. But, but no, and, and I'm excited for next week. We're going to talk some recruiting. We're going to talk some just our thoughts on the season and uh gosh signing day is December 19th. Yes, so we'll we'll Got continue yeah, we'll continue with the recruiting, but as of breaking down football games football. and everything like that. It's been a pretty good one though, don't you think? It has. It has. You've been amazing in your first year on the job, Marcus. Yes. Thank you guys for giving me a chance. I know there's probably some people who don't even listen this far, but thank you guys. I appreciate it. 
at the bottom okay. of my heart for real. But let's go, Beavs. Let's go, Beavs. Everybody, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Damn Podcast with your host Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. I'm not even gonna say anything after that. Just go, Beavs in the Civil War. We're gonna kill the ducks.